Live from Alachua, Florida, I'm Amrita Kaley. And I'm Nam Amrita. Welcome to Nectar Talks from the heart of New Raman Reiti, the largest Hare Krishna community in North America and the home of thousands of bhakti yoga practitioners. In our ongoing interviews, we dig deep into our search for loving connections with Krishna and each other. With you, we hope to uncover the real-life stories and inner journeys of our vibrant community of friends and special guests. Like bees searching for nectar, we seek to extract pearls of wisdom from how they live their lives and the lessons they can impart to us and our listeners. If you're seeking nectar, look no further. All right, let's get started. Hi, Krishna. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Nectar Talks episode number 11, lucky number 11. Hi, how's everyone doing tonight? Doing well. <laughs> nice to see you, Amrita. Nice to see you too, Namamrita. Nice to see you, Shruti Sagar. Good to see you, Amrita and Amrita and Vaishnavi and Mother Leela. Jai. And Rama Rao. Rama Rao. So tonight, um, as you can see, we're hosting a very, very dear friend, um, Shruti Sagar Prabhu. He is 31 years old and he's the temple president at the Krishna House, which is an extremely active, youthful center um, right next door to New Raman Reiti in Alachua. So he has an incredible story and some really um, special realizations to share. So we're gonna pull them out of you, Shruti Sagar. <laughs> by hook or by crook. So um, I'm going to go ahead and ask the first question, um, which is, you're 31, you're temple president of the Krishna house. How was your day today? Well, what's my, what's my day today, you said? How was your day today? Oh, Not day any today. day. Oh, what was it like today? My day today? It must have been busy, like so many <laughs> other days. <laughs> It was good. It was productive. It was, yeah, it was good. It was busy and had a lot of meetings and talked to a lot of people and yeah, but it was good. It was yeah, it was happening. Great. Awesome. Um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to introduce you a little bit more than that, but um, I think that we can ask some questions to sort of create a bio for you and your time leading up from when you were born in Bihar, in the state of Bihar in India until where you, where you are now. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey from Bihar um, and then coming to, and ending up at University of Florida when you were just 18? Wow, well, the whole thing, huh? From birth till, till, till adulthood. <laughs> oh, look at this! There he is. For those who are not on video, we have some awesome baby photos of Shruti Sagar Prabhu. <laughs> these are priceless. Yep, these, uh, this is, the middle one's actually in Calcutta. We were there briefly uh, before we moved to Orissa. But yeah, the other ones are in Patna, Bihar at my grandfather's and grandmother's. And uh, that's my grandmother here, over there. So yeah, that's that was awesome. in 1990. Yeah. So you were born in Bihar and then you moved to Orissa and you were telling me that you visited the Jagannath temple many times, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in the small town 
um, well, now it's a city, but it used to be a town back then called Balasore. And, um, and uh, yeah, we, since Jagannath Puri is a famous pilgrimage place, we would go there. And um, there's also the Kirchor Gopinath Temple, which is 15 minutes from where I grew up, 15, 20 minutes. And they have the famous uh, Amrita Kaili sweet rice. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I so you, you ate that sweet rice? I ate that sweet rice and I loved it. Wow. <laughs> I remember going there when I was four years old for the first time and um, and eating that sweet rice and that was the best <sighs> I've ever had. And I always always wanted to go to that temple. So, yeah. Wow. And then um, after that, you moved to Delhi when you were in middle school, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was about 13, we moved to Delhi and I got into high school over there and uh, it's interesting because the high school I got into, not a lot of people would come to the U.S. for undergrad, but that high school is known for sending, mm -hmm. well, pre prepping their students for the U.S. for undergrad. Most Indians, at least back then, used to come for grad. Um, so it just, it kind of set my trajectory mm -hmm. since then to have that vision like, oh, I could go to the U.S. They have resources here for me to do that. Huh. Good to know. So then how did that uh, eventually happen that you you moved to the U.S.? At, at, at what point did it actually manifest itself? Yeah, yeah. I was in 11th grade and 12th grade and I was prepping for all kinds of um, exams that they have in India. They have these entrance exams for universities and colleges. And uh, so I was prepping for those, but I also wanted to have options. And I thought I'll also prep for the U.S. and I started doing that. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, as time progressed, this felt like a better option. And my parents felt mm. the same way. I got into three universities. Initially, I chose to go to University of Virginia, actually, uh, UVA. And, um, but my father, with his um, depth and wisdom, said, no, go to University of Florida. It's much cheaper. <laughs> That is wise, honestly. That's extremely wise. He's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like they have the same programs. Engineering still good at UF, and so it's cheaper. Just go there. It's like, okay. Okay, so you fun. went for for engineering is what you're shooting for. That's what I started off as. Yes, uh -huh. as a budding engineer from India. Surprising, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask one one question about going to school in India? And this is totally coming from like a foreigner. Maybe I'm going to look stupid for asking this question. But do the students really go to the temples and study like when it's exam time? And um, is that a very common thing? Um, I just heard that about students in India, that when the exams come around, they'll all go to the temples and, and pray to... I don't know if it's goddess uh, Saraswati or we we pray left and right wherever <laughs> we can pray. <laughs> Especially, let me tell you because our bus. I remember those days because we our bus would take us from our home to the school, and between our home to the school in any part of India, you'll find at least ten temples. Of yeah. And as the bus is going, we look at the temple and pray. Please, it's an exam day. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it's definitely very intertwined in our yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I find, I find that yeah. great. <laughs> so what, how old were you when you finally made the move to the US? So 
I was 18, I came by myself and um, came to get straight to Gainesville. And um, yeah, that's when I came, 18. Did you have any family, any family friends in the States? No, no, I was the first one to set sail to America from mm. my family. You were a fob, a fresh off the boat. Yep, a fresh off. What, what yep. did that feel like? I mean, that's a, that's a really big deal to be that young. And was, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a really big deal, actually. It was, it was quite adventurous for me. It was an adventure and I was grateful that my parents um, were paying me to go far, so far away from them. I was, pretty <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> I was like, I'm really going to go to the other side of the planet. But, um, but it was an adventure and I was now I was it jokes that I was grateful actually when I got here that they made that sacrifice and gave me such support to come here um but yeah it was a lot I mean there was a little bit of homesickness mm -hmm. but um but there it felt very adventurous so it kind yeah. of balanced itself out yeah I'm sure it's I just know from my experience I moved here from France when I was 19 mm -hmm. and uh, I was very homesick it took me about couple of years to really really mm -hmm. get over that so um and i had family here so i'm sure being on your own was maybe not so easy um before we transition totally to life in america can you tell us a little bit more about um the spiritual background of your family and sure. you know what kind of practices were there perhaps was it uh you know like a vaishnava tradition or what was your family deity type of thing sure um, our family, a few generations back, was actually originally Vaishnavas, and um, but at some point in time, it kind of morphed into worshiping many demigods, which is very common in India. Most Hindu families worship demigods, mm -hmm. and so um, yeah, growing up. But because I grew up in Orissa, Lord Jagannath was a big part of our oh. our life. I mean, Jagannath's a huge part of everyone's life in Orissa. So he was a big part. And as I mentioned, Kirtra Gopinath Temple was, it always felt like a special temple. <laughs> well, mainly because of the seed rice. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, my family in general is pious. We would often go to temples. Even when, uh, in India, we'll see often when families go traveling somewhere, they will find the local temples to visit. So mm -hmm. that's what we would do also. And, um, and yeah, many of the Vaishnava temples specifically when we went to Tirupati, South India. And, um, and I remember Varanasi as well, this, those stuck out a lot to me. And of course, Jagannath Puri, and they, they, some of these temples stuck out to me a lot more than some of the other ones, because we would just go to so many temples in India. Hmm. <laughs> but that's, and yeah, my family is nice. They're Hindus, they're pious. Uh, they're equal opportunity worshipers as far as gods and demigods are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> So they worship everybody just in case maybe somebody's a supreme one. Right. Um, but that's my background. But in general, they're pious. And, yeah. yeah. Pious okay. and, you know, um, Shruti Sagar's family were, were actually the people who um, hosted me in India when I went to go study my Bhakti Shastri. I got to stay with them. And I remember your dad doing puja in the morning very early mm -hmm. and then taking me to Vrindavan for the first time, the Delhi temple. It was really wonderful. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So Shruti, um, I remember 
living at Krishna House and suddenly you were on the scene and I was very new there too. I was living there, I was new and you started coming around. Um, but I'm trying to remember how that first um, first moment happened where you sort of made contact with the devotees. And I feel like you kind of just took off running um, as soon as you got in the door. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, sure. Um, so I got into UF and back in the day, they used to be this thing called Yahoo groups. Um, <laughs> so I joined this Yahoo group for Indians going to UF. Mm -hmm. And it's like a you know mailing list, and so the devotees here they 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 used to run this program called the Friday program for Indian students. It was mm -hmm. geared for Indian students, and so they went to that guy Yahoo group and sent out an invite to everybody saying you know we have a program on Fridays, please come. We have a PhD uh, candidate, Dr. Manoj Parmar, who's a devotee, Nand Kumar Puru. Uh, he's giving the Bhagavad Gita classes, and I was still in India. This was two weeks before I was going to get to UF. And so I saw that email and I was impressed. And I thought, yeah, sure, I'll come. I actually, I actually replied back to that email saying, I'll come when I get there. And when I got here, you know, it, there was orientation and so many things going on. I totally forgot about Krishna House and the Friday program. But one eventful evening, I was walking to uh, one of the bookstores on 13th Street. Yeah, it used to be where Publix is right now, I believe. Um, there used to be a bookstore there. So I was walking there to get one of the books and I was, I saw the sign Northwest 14th street. And I was like, oh, that sounds so familiar. And, you know, back in the day before smartphones, <laughs> I actually had a little notebook that, you know, I would write down phone numbers or whatever. And uh, so I actually had the address written on it. And I saw that sounds familiar. I looked it up. Oh, it's the Krishna house address, 214 Northwest 14th street. And I was like, oh wait, it's Friday. It's 6.30. <laughs> They're having that program they talked about right now. So instead of going to the bookstore, I went to Krishna House. And I found the Krishna House. And it was interesting because for me, a temple, you know, has a dome and everything. Was, oh, this is like a house. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I went in. There were some students. Nand Kumar was there. And uh, so that was my first time. That's how I found out Krishna House. And then they told me about Krishna Lunch and other things. And so that's how I, and I made a good friend there, Jamin. If you remember, Amrita, yeah. So he was there, yes. he's a second gen Indian American. Uh, he was staying at the Krishna house. His parents are devotees, they're all in Canada now. And he, we became good friends and he would invite me to programs. He, we used to have Saturday dinners um, at the Krishna house. That's where, that's where I first met you. That's you right. The dinner. So that's, yeah, he invited me and I, and I came over here. So that's mm -hmm. how I found out Krishna house and Krishna consciousness. That was the first step. So how would you define um, how you, you went over to that Krishna House program? Where, were, where would you situate yourself spiritually at that time? Uh, was it kind of like mm. you were homesick and you wanted to reconnect with some kind of Hindu tradition that you could find over here? Or were you already kind of, you know, asking the big questions about life and that's what pulled you? Where, where would you situate yourself at that time? Um, I guess reflecting back, a part of me was, um, yeah, I was, you know, the one, one of the four people who come to Krishna, I was thinking that I was kind of distressed. Yeah. Not uh, mm. homesick, as you said, and, um, and just, just going through high school and trying to get into Indian universities and American universities was stressful. 
So it left me really distressed. And then I was here, it was 2008. Um, so recession was going on and, and just materialistically, I was saying, oh, you know, how all this America, things are going wrong. How am I going to get an internship later? This I was already thinking about it. So mm. in some ways I was, in many ways, actually, I was distressed. Mm. So it was a relief to find Krishna House. To yeah, first to find a group of Indians and something close to my culture. And, um, and they were nice. All the devotees were nice. And it's a quick funny note. Um, when I got there, I expected Indian food. I was like, yes, now I get to eat some Indian food. It's been a week. I've been eating whatever. <laughs> yeah, dining services provide, you know. And I'm like, yes, waiting for the food. And then we have this huge pot. I'm like, yes, this doll, what is this subject? The lid. It's pasta. You want to make something different today? Like, no. <laughs> And I think that they never made pasta ever again because all the <laughs> students were disappointed. But um, funny. but yeah, that was uh, it was it was nice. It was a relief, and also, yeah, it kind of it it satisfied a part of me that is thoughtful, which hadn't happened before so much. And I was only eighteen, and so yeah, definitely a part of me was a little more philosoph philosophical and thoughtful, so that it uh, satisfied that as well. Hmm. so interesting i mean like to namamrita that was a really good question that hadn't even come to my mind is where would you place yourself spiritually because something changed something happened where you're on your own and then and then what like you you start hearing the philosophy nanda kumar prabhu is an extremely learned speaker and he's also mm -hmm. really really kind and personal yeah. so you're hearing him speak and then you're just i mean is it like the things that were a part of your childhood and your adolescence just started clicking or you were venturing into territory that was unknown to you and you liked it? It was definitely unknown to me. I had never heard of Lord Chaitanya at all. Mm. And in the first talk itself, he talked about Lord Chaitanya. And um, yeah, he was explaining how it's the golden avatar. And I was like, wow, I've never heard of all this. So many things definitely didn't click in the first, first meeting in the first Friday program. But um but yeah this this sense of relief was definitely there and it, mm -hmm. it, it i can't explain logically why it was why it was there but of course i guess i was homesick and this and that but i, I suppose it was something deeper that sense of relief mm -hmm. and um yeah, it's almost like oh like oh okay i am home now mm -hmm. so i felt like that the first meeting and the subsequent meetings i went to mm -hmm. and um yeah and so how would you say it kind of evolved um, for you uh, as far as that spiritual philosophy that you kind of discovered? Um, can you just give a little bit more uh, details on how that evolved over time? Yeah, yeah. For me, um, you know, I, I would argue about the philosophy and I'd ask questions and I remember asking Kalakantra, what's wrong with having economic development? We should all have <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, well, what did he say? What did he say? Yeah, yeah. I got the same question. <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Oh, oh there you are debating the two of you. Huh? <laughs> you see, Prabhu. <laughs> that That's funny. All my list of questions. Um, I'm trying to remember. What did he say? Um, 
it, this was during lunch. So I don't think we had a whole lot of conversation discussion about it, but from what I remember, he was some, he said something to the effect that there are more important things to human life, not just economic development. Uh, that's the gist of it. It was quite some time ago, so I don't quite remember. I think he kind of just laughed. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's very practical. Was that? He's also very practical, right? But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I went <laughs> up to Kalakanta Prabhu one day and I was in so much distress because we were installing wood floors in our home. And I was like, man, I'm, we're putting all this money into wood floors. I'm like, what are we doing, Prabhu? Like, we should be using our money in better ways. And he's like, calm down, my dear friend. Put in your wood floors. You'll be all right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, I guess your, your question was the, the journey, I suppose. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so the Friday program, and then I kept coming to those Friday programs. And you know, the devotees would talk to me, they would preach to me. I started going to the temple with them, to the Alachua temple. And um, and I think that's where I met Madhumati Mataji in Seishapuru. And I connected a lot with Madhumati Mataji right away. And um, because he yeah, has similar things, she's Indian, she came, she met devotees also when she was super young, I believe only 18 or maybe 19. She was in college, so but she was, I think she was under 20, so around my age. And then she came to America. To, uh, to be in, with the devotees and uh so yeah just it's just you know i felt, felt very comfortable with the devotees and i guess the key uh, the key turning point was it's, it's another peculiar yet funny story do you want me to tell you yes, yes. Okay. yeah we love it so at some point i didn't go to the friday programs um for like few weeks and then I used to eat, I, I, I wasn't vegetarian, our family wasn't vegetarian, so I used to eat meat and had bought a, a meal plan on the campus at, uh, at UF. And I would just go there, eat whatever I could to just, you know, to stay healthy, you know, to eat something <laughs> because the vegetables weren't really cooked or whatever. And so I would eat you know, rice, some, some meat and so forth. And uh, yeah, but we I, Western vest vegetables is basically like broccoli, carrots and dip. <laughs> yeah yeah that was really hard for me i think i lost like 10 or 15 i think 20 pounds or something in the first oh, man. two months but um I, yeah i used to eat um not beef i would try to avoid beef that was my thing mm -hmm. but one particular day i was really hungry and i went out went to the dining section and i didn't i tried to find the sign which says what kind of meat it is and but there wasn't one i just ate whatever there was in the middle of it i was like wait a minute this beef mm. so i went up to the cook and I said i asked is this beef and he said yeah he's like yeah it's beef and i'm like oh no my hindu dharma is gone uh. i have eaten beef what do i do and i was like wait it's friday <laughs> <laughs> let me go and ask nanda kumar Prabhu, what can i do to absolve for the sin because that was still there you know we, we don't eat cows, so that right. even, even though I wasn't Krishna conscious. But yeah. um, in any case, I went, and, and it was so funny. That particular lecture always stuck out to me because he talked about what's reality and what do we want to believe and um, what, what is the truth and how to discriminate and so forth. And just left an impression, and it kind of opened me more, it opened me up further to like. Because at that point I had a lot of doubts and I was like, well, how do you know this is true? And how do you know that what I know or have learned from 
my childhood or what I've been told isn't true. And so the lecture kind of made me more open-minded. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I became even more regular. I asked him, what can I do to atone for my sins? He said, just keep coming every Friday. I was like, okay, I'll come every oh, Friday nice. and chant for Ricochet. And then um, I wanted to be vegetarian, but I paid for a meal plan. That was another, that was actually a, another, that's like the next step, the bigger, um, like, a, yeah, the bigger step, I guess, the next step. Um, so they said, well, you can serve Krishna lunch and get a free lunch because I, I had already paid on the camp and I didn't want to pay twice for my lunch. So they said, yeah, just come serve and you can get a free lunch. I was like, sure, sounds good. And, I, and they said, you can take a lecture for dinner. I was like, sure. So after that, that was, yeah, I think October or something or September. Uh, and um, yeah, I started serving croissants every day, religiously for an hour and get my free lunch and get back extra for dinner. <laughs> and then I used to eat on the campus. And then one fateful day, all the prasadam was gone. <laughs> and so they said, well, you can come to the house, eat with us in the temple room because we have some lunch for the volunteers and the servers. And so, okay, so I went and Kalakantru was there and he reads from the Lila Amrita. So that's mm-hmm. when I really heard more deeply about mm-hmm. Prabhupada and his life. And that, when I heard, I don't remember what exactly I heard that particular day, but whatever I heard left an impression. Mm-hmm. Because then I decided I want to eat my lunch here every day. Mm-hmm. And just hearing Prabhupada's life story, it was, it left a deep impression. And for me, I felt I might not be able to digest or even believe all of this philosophy right at the moment. But if Prabhupada says something, I'll accept it. I'll analyze it. I'll question it. But if he says something, I'll, you know, I'll take his word for it, essentially. Mm-hmm. I just, from hearing his life story, because at that point, it was in the beginning of the Lilambrita. So it's like hearing his childhood, hearing his struggles, hearing about how he came to America. And, you know, when you were 18, you were kind of, naive so I, I remember hearing in the with mm. the he had three heart attacks and i was like oh my god if somebody who survives three heart attacks must be a pure devotee <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. and so and of course i mean of course he is but just my simplicity my simple thought process mm. as somebody who endured so much must be a great person and of course he is yeah. but um but yeah that really left an, a, a mark on me this hearing about Prabhupada's life and uh yeah, I've felt a sense of loyalty to him since then, actually. So yeah. That was a big step for me. And, right. and then after a few months, well, in spring and then summer, yeah, I moved into Krishna. I wanted to try it out for the summer, so I moved into Krishna House. Okay, so you ended up moving in. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would, would you say is the next milestone after you moved in? Did, did you get the engineering degree? Oh... <laughs> this is a great question. I like this. My next milestone was was not doing well in engineering mm. at all. Mm. My next milestone was that all um, after a, the first semester was great. I was I did well in classes and I was you know fairly good at the Christian House in terms of coming to the morning program and it was it was nice. It was fun. I liked everybody. Everybody liked me. We had a lot of fun. But the next semester, all of a sudden, all these emotions started coming up. It was like, you know, when the holy name turns your heart and all these, the first thing that comes out is all this, well, all this mess, mm-hmm. and all these strong feelings. And I was like, I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I talked to Kalakantru and I actually went to a therapist for about a year, I think. Yeah. 
and I, I went to this therapist, devotee therapist, and and a lot of stuff from childhood came up, and I had to face it, I had to deal with it, and um, it, it wasn't some anything too heavy or anything, but for me it was heavy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but looking back, I'm like, oh, Shruti, why were you so disturbed? But in that moment, for it was a big deal, and there was a lot of purification, and uh, so that all that came up, and it was amidst my studies, so my studies were kind of hampered, and so that was. Um, yeah, that was like the process was working. It was turning my heart and I had to realize more and more who I am and who I want to be. And, and um, just, seeing, um, just seeing the value in Krishna consciousness more and more. It was, mm. it was definitely doing something. It's a, it's, this is a really big deal because it's not just that you decided you didn't want to continue with engineering. Oh, yeah. you, know, you you wound up becoming, you know, you're now, you have a career inside of ISKCON. You're not merely an initiated devotee who has a job outside. This is, this, you know, Krishna took you to that crossroads and this is where you are now, mm-hmm. right? So did that begin sort of around that time? Did you have an, uh, did you have some understanding at that time that this might be something that you would want to end up doing? I mean, for me, um, for me, the reason Krishna consciousness made even more so much sense was because I saw Prabhupada did something, well, he did a lot for others' welfare. That was always my, um, it was, it's all, it was always my drive that there has to be something more to life than just, um, I don't know, accumulating wealth or just, just thinking in your own terms, I guess. That it, 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 it was something very innate for me that, we must do something for others. And so when I saw what Prabhupada, his definition of welfare for others and how he did it, as I mentioned, it left a mark. And um, so for, for me, it, I feel like that's when it really started. Like for me, it was simple. I want to do something for Prabhupada. Hmm. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, oh, I want to be the town president of Krishna or like, I want to be a, hmm. do a big project. I was like, I really want to do something for Prabhupada. Of course, uh, as a 19, you know, when you were, I'm still young, but <laughs> more naive and more gullible or whatever. Um, then you think, I really want to do change the world in 18 days for sure. <laughs> or something of that sort. Um, that was just my drive. I really wanted to do something mm. for Prabhupada's movement because he did so much and I just mm. felt a strong sense of loyalty. So that kind of, yeah, it definitely... Um, that's where I suppose it started that trajectory. To it. I I just want to do something for Prabhupada, yeah, in whatever way, small or big, yeah. Wow, that's so wonderful that um, you, I guess, understood Prabhupada so well and developed such a connection with him and his life and offering and mission that uh, it uh, affected you in such a powerful way. So I guess, um, what, how did that manifest itself? You know, you had this desire, you want to do something for Prabhupada. So what, what came next on, on that level? Well, as a student, um, I guess I started the, well, restarted the Bhakti Yoga Club we used to have. At the mm-hmm. That's right. Campus and we started doing some programs on the campus. And now yes, right. we had a festival of India, we arranged that. And then, yeah, I just, I started learning harmonium, do more kirtan, balahari pro, talking harmonium. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet. And um, yeah, just, I would try to 
do as much outreach in whatever little ways I could, talk to people one-on-one and in my own way, I, I would try to do that and study as much as I could. Uh, my thing was listening, actually. My thing was hearing um, the lectures. So I would hear a lot of lectures, not very academic. So it's hard for me to study Shastra and all that, but I would hear, listen to lectures. So um, that's how it went in college. And then um, after college, it was, uh, yeah, well, I was also another interesting transition into into my project in DC area because I ended up studying political science and um, my parents weren't happy at all and they just wanted me to come back from um, from uh, you know after my undergrad and just come back to India and get a government job because every them and I we figured that um, what would you do with a poly science degree as an immigrant? Uh, it would be really hard to do something here, really. Mm. And so, but by, by, by just, I don't know, we can call it Providence. And I met Anutama Pru, uh, and um, I, was said, I thought, well, I could do an internship for Hispan Communications before I go to India. So he said, yeah, sure, come on in, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, I'll come to the DC area. and. Um, so I went there and then Don President Ananda she was really, you know, she's a dynamic leader. She has a lot of vision and she's great. So she wanted to do something along the lines of Krishna House. So she was talking to Kalakanta Prabhu and Kalakanta Prabhu said, well, Shruti Saga is already gonna be there in the DC area. We might as well do, you know, have him, like work with him and do something there. So when this one devotee was willing to uh, let us use his, he had a condo near the University of Maryland. And so we were gonna use that and do some outreach from there and um so that's how yeah that's how it kind of transitioned into um doing outreach and my plans to going back to india just kind of um dwindled back. away <laughs> <laughs> my parents hey. weren't happy so that was that sorry go ahead no, i was just saying that my parents weren't happy at all um mm. they tolerated my krishna consciousness while i was in college and, but they blamed it for not, not being able to do engineering. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then later when I even started doing outreach full-time, that was my dream while I was in, co in college mm -hmm. because I felt like, oh, I can't do this full-time right now because I have to um, be doing my undergrad so that I can stay in America for my, my visa. Visa is linked with the studies. So I can't just drop out of school. I might have if I was not an immigrant actually. <laughs> But, um, but um, <laughs> it's I'm good that you were then. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't actually. But um, by any case, and then, but after that, I was like, yeah, I can do this full time. You know, I can just do it, dedicate all my energy to this. My parents weren't happy. We didn't talk for quite a bit, actually. We would mm. talk here and there a few times in the year, and I didn't want them to lecture me. And I'm not just saying this is the best way to go about it, but <laughs> that's what happened. And, um, but I, I had made up my mind and I stood my ground like this is what I want to do and and so and um and at some point I did do some courses and uh, to work towards a master's so that kind of appeased them partly I did it so that it will appease them a bit <laughs> but um but yeah they 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 simply tolerated me and my 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 plans for outreach mm. and, and you were doing wonderful things there um, what I was going to say earlier was that 
Leila Kishore, my husband and I had the opportunity to come and visit you. That's where you met Nanda Nandana Prabhu, who we interviewed recently. He's just like the coolest hero of ours. Um, and you were doing Krishna lunch. You had people living in the house. You were doing morning programs every day. You had programs at the University of Maryland. Um, it was University of Maryland was the name of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a really, really dynamic project that you had going. And you were there for three or four years. Is that correct? Before moving back yeah. to Krishna House? Yeah. Yeah, that was that's awesome. Yeah, I remember all the buddy passes around that time. Oh my God. Yeah, back, I and, that. back and forth. <laughs> Thank you. I'll always be grateful. No, I'm so happy I can help in any way. Oh, I was like, what are buddy passes? This is something to do with the plane, isn't it? That's something yeah. we don't disclose. Yeah, in I know. I was surprised you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, this isn't so, live or anything, so what does it matter? No. So, so you did the four years in Maryland and, um, uh, I mean, did that project ever hold its ground or? It, well, it, it, it didn't, <laughs> we okay. had a property and uh, we were going to set it up as Christian house, but our funding, um, our source of funding stopped. So we, we lost the property okay. and then we were doing Christian lunch on the campus and another devotee did continue it after some time until COVID. And then mm -hmm. it was just small. It was too yeah. small to keep doing it um, during COVID and post-COVID. So mm -hmm. it okay. did kind of dwindle away, but I keep in touch with some of the students who we cultivated over there. Okay. Wow. So, so then Krishna you... had his plans for you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to find out. What? So you cut, you came back to Krishna House after that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I want to maybe fast forward a little bit because we do want to get into some of the the topics like the title of this show and things like that. Um, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious to learn about the organizational structure um, at Krishna House. So maybe just tell us very quickly how you eventually became the, the temple president and um, a little bit about, yeah, what, what's the, the structure of the Krishna House? What are the different departments? Um, and what, what's your involvement uh, today? Sure. Um, so this basic structure is we have the ashram leaders who take care of um, you know, outreach and recruiting and cultivating the students. And so there's devotees and there's ashram leaders, men and women that take care of them. Or they also call Bhakti Academy directors. Um, bad. Huh? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> <became> bad. Bad. <laughs> um, the, the Bhakti Academy directors. And then we have the general manager who just takes care of um, delegating services and maintenance of property and so forth. And then we have the Krishna lunch manager who just deals specifically with Krishna lunch and she has her own staff with her, like the purchasing manager for the boga, the cooks, the cleaners. She has a whole uh, set of staff. Sometimes it's the devotees from the house are doing it or she hires people from outside. Mm -hmm. And um, that's that's the main management. Oh, there's of course uh, Majit is our treasurer and secretary. Kalagantu is our chaplain, and so that's our main team. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we have a board of directors, of course, um, who um, you know, who who who's there. Just we they meet once a few months and and just kind of strategize and just the bigger the bigger bigger picture. Even. Right, right. And, um, so that's that's primarily it's a fairly small organization. So. That's uh -huh. pretty much, to, that's all there is to it. Well, and how, 
Go ahead. I was just thinking about the Bhakti Academy, right? Mm -hmm. As a part of the Krishna house, because as a student who was a part of the Bhakti Academy, it really gave me a sense of accomplishment over my, my education. Like there's some formality to it. Could you tell us a little bit about that? See yeah, here? Yeah. Yeah. I can't see you. Yeah, he's here. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. Uh, the Bhakti Academy, uh, yeah, we have a formal application process and, um, you know, we vet all the applicants and we get applications from different places. And yeah, it's fairly structured and we have a curriculum for the morning. We have a curriculum for the evening classes. There's full-time Bhakti Academy students who do service and, um, and live at the Krishna house. And then there's part-time Bhakti Academy students who might be college students or might, you know, who might just graduate and work for a work outside for a bit. And so normally they just pay tuition to be at the Bhakti Academy. And uh, so those are the two aspects, two, two kinds of students at the Bhakti Academy. And of course the Bhakti Academy directors are there who, you know, it's, it's really um, based, uh, very similar to a lot of the Christian models actually, because they have like youth ministers who do, you know, fun activities on the weekends. So, so it's kind of similar to that from what I've actually seen over the years that, yeah, they have that kind of stuff to be uh, organized fun activities or educational activities on the weekends, organized youth trips to like in the end of the semester, end of the year, we normally used to go to festival inspiration. We still go to New now and I think now Satya Nanamard had his festival there. So we go for that and we try to, yeah, we try to expose the new devotees to all these various temples and centers where they could go to next after their phase at Krishna house and or, or, or go and set up a center somewhere or go do book distribution on the road. So we try to take them to these, and then we go to Texas as well that in that direction in the December break. So that's the, yeah, that's the Bhakti Academy. And, and it just, it, essentially what Bhakti Academy's goal is to give a structured path so that the devotees, the students can learn how to stay in Krishna consciousness once they're moved out of Krishna house. Mm -hmm. The main things like main like Japa, you know, and, and the philosophy and uh, Shila Prabhupada as the founder of Acharya, these main things, we really want them to imbibe it as much as they can in their lives. So that yeah, when they move out, they can carry that with them wherever they go. Ah. Such a just so intelligent <laughs> the way it's been put together. I'm always fascinated when I hear about Krishna House. Um, would you say you're taking on a position um, of leadership, um, especially temple president? How's that? learning curve been for you? Was it gradual um, throughout the years that you've been there and you kind of came to, to it naturally or was it a really steep learning curve? Tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Um, so 2017, when I came back, uh, I came back to be the ashram leader as one of the Bhakti Academy directors. And then, then I became the general manager the next semester and then the TP the next semester. <laughs> <laughs> so it was in one sense, it was a little steep but since I had stayed at Krishna House as a student, mm -hmm. it gave me, for four years actually, it gave me a lot of um, I don't know, muscle memory or just, it just helped me a lot that to just go about things where easily I didn't have to, um, some things I already just knew that that's how you do things. And actually my experience in Maryland was also very helpful. Mm -hmm. And because we had to do, you know, a lot of admin stuff, we had, I had to handle our, 
out for our little nonprofit, handle our little finances. And but whatever it was, I did have to handle it and deal with banks and go to devotees with donations and set up a donation platform, just all that admin stuff. Then yeah. uh, I just had to think of it and because it was just me and Nanda. So we just had to think of everything and just go out and do it. So it was very pioneering and it helped me a mm. lot. And or, or, or just to establish, and we set up a nonprofit ourselves. We didn't have enough money to hire a lawyer. So I just did the paperwork myself. And just to have that, it really helped actually for, for, for this service. And um, yeah, the service is two ways. It's, it's like in one sense, material and spiritual. There's the administrative aspect and then there's the spiritual pastoral care aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. there have been no hurdles at all. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> 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 been, there have been plenty of hurdles, um, especially last year with COVID. Um, mm. Last year, just to give an example, I'm very <laughs> straightforward person so um, we had I had five mediations last year you know because last year was intense mm. and so just mediations come and, and it's mostly around relationships and uh, with the staff and how to go about things so mediation mediation between staff members no between me and some of the staff members okay gotcha yeah. And um and, and I share this because it's real life, you know. And, and, yeah. And I don't I don't feel bad about it either. And it only made us grow each right. each person, and they are all still on the staffs. And <laughs> <laughs> nobody got. And so are you. Yeah. And there were some really tough decisions I had to make. Mm. Make actually, yeah. Um, so some of the decisions were really hard, and uh, yeah. I had to make them, and I didn't like making those decisions. And, being kind of put on the spot but it was my service so i did it yeah um so it's at some points it was gradual but at some point it was just like wait like really steep right it, right yeah thank you so much for sharing that about um you know some of those obstacles that come up um and how you guys went about it i think that's just so responsible and of course you know that's <laughs> we're always going to run into these things um what was the title of this episode again? Something about yeah, the, you know, Shruti Sagar. That's a good time actually, to transition into that. It's it's a seamless transition because this is this is the perfect time. And he basically, Shruti, you came up with with this. Um, was you said there's a dichotomy between spirituality and institution, right? Yeah. So we have you know we're learning about Shruti Sagar, the devotee, and then there's Shruti Sagar, the 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 temple president and we're wondering you know do you feel oh, wait, wait, <laughs> what wait. is it no, th then then there's shruti sagar who's what was it um an indian body but with the a white american in, on the inside, <laughs> on the inside. that's what i am <laughs> the coconut yeah shruti sagar yeah. the coconut okay <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> tell us a little bit about what that means to you and what is a dichotomy i don't know a dichotomy sure i feel like over the years i have lived in two worlds hmm. there's my one foot in india and one foot in america and culturally they are so diverse in india um i was listening to a lecture by Ravindra Sarupa recently and he was talking about acharyas the acharya system in india back in the day 
and I could relate to, I was like, yeah, exactly. That's how we treated our teachers or, or any authority for that matter. Uh, he's, he or she's an Acharya. The parents are an Acharya on, on several subject matters. And so that I come from that culture where authority is taken very seriously mm-hmm. and um, institutions are taken very seriously. And now you come to America where, you know, there's um, authorities might, well, yeah, it's a whole different call. It's not, it, they don't, t- Americans might not take authorities very seriously or, or they're looked down upon for that matter, actually. And mm-hmm. um, you, it's just a whole different culture. And so for me, I feel like over the years, um, yeah, there is this dichotomy where a part of me, it's, it's built in where I'm like, oh no, this is an authority. Like I got to do like this. But over the years, I feel like I've transitioned into, no, I want to have a relationship with people and um, and be an authority or whoever. No, I want to have a personal relationship. And then it just makes a lot more sense. And to find that balance, be- and not just because such and such is an authority, and but, but we have a relationship. And also, yeah, just have a relationship. And also the other aspect being that even if we don't have a relationship to have that um, respect for that person, because I'm sure he or she has done a lot of service or has had several experiences. So just to be personal enough to see that as well. So yeah. for me, yeah, that's the dichotomy, I guess, for me, if, if that's the right word, to balance that, to balance um, not just total passive, blind obedience, to somebody and at the same time not just rejecting them either because i don't have maybe a strong relationship yet but yeah there's there's that dichotomy which also plays out into spirit, you know, spirituality and institutions in the bigger picture um I, I don't know if this makes sense but that's what i was thinking about on this topic that that fine balance and for me i feel like you know when Prabhupada said iskon is my body mm-hmm. As each day passes, that statement makes more and more sense to me because I feel that as long as the mood is that we want to follow in Prabhupada's footsteps and we want, to, we want to establish Prabhupada's teachings, and for me, it doesn't matter if it's an institution or not. Um, if that mood is there, then for me, like that's great because that's personal. It's not just a bureaucratic corporation no, we are worshiping Prabhupada. He did so much for everybody. And this system is in place. It's subservient essentially to a person. And it's not just an entity by itself. It's not just a 501c3 legally authorized by the IRS. Mm. You get mm. your tax write off. Um, but it's actually, yeah, a living body. It's Prabhupada's body. And then it's a living pro- body of Prabhupada. Mm. Um, again, I, I, I know I'm talking a lot. I hope it makes sense. But yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's an insight uh, for me that, you know, sometimes we we say, okay, we're we're the soul, we're not the body, mm-hmm. um, but we have to take care of our body, right? Mm-hmm. In so many ways, you can't just neglect the body because they're they're together and they're working yeah. in harmony. So I kind of hear it from that perspective, where yeah, in so many ways, you know, an institution might seem like such a headache that we just don't even want to get involved with yeah. but at the same time without that um yeah maybe personally we might be able to survive and keep on going but i mean there's just 
so much, obviously, that Prabhupada has given us. So many of us wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for his institution. Um, so, yeah, it's a really, really uh, interesting analogy, actually. I never really focused in on that when you said that Iskan is his body. And yeah, and just it hits me more and more. And um, and it makes me think of I remember hearing in the lecture how Ravindra Sruprabhu was saying that it originally it was this Acharyas. There was an Acharya and everybody followed them. And then he he you know he chose the next Acharya. But then with Bhakti Siddhanta and Prabhupada, they started the GBC and wanted to have something more institutional because because they felt that's what, yeah, that body, as you said, will carry the spirit. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's not the best setup. And, but at the same time, Bhakti Siddhanta was so ahead of his times. Um, he established a GBC, which Ravin Surpru said in the lecture that in those times when the Indian Railways was established by the British, they had a GBC, Garni Body Commission. And I was like, whoa, I've never heard of that. That's so mm -hmm. cool. And so Bhakti Siddhanta is just so progressive. He was like, this is the latest management strategy. And he took it. And he just took it and, and he went with it. And, um, wow. and I feel like ISKCON also, you know, will have to keep up with times and evolve to meet people's needs, meet um, how the society is at the, at, at the time and, um, and yeah, make managerial changes. And every, I mean, every organization needs to go through organizational change. I mean, there's, that's just a no brainer yeah. that it has to. So the body will have to evolve. So as to keep, spirit going along yeah, that's um, I, I do have a question I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about you and the different hats that you might have to wear mm -hmm. as a devotee who's relatively young and coming in you know we're coming into our own in our devotional life and we're very much you know, in this process of sort of deepening our Krishna consciousness um, at the, the earlier stages of our journey. So when you, you know, I, I feel like what you're expressing is that your service to the institution, your service to Srila Prabhupada's body is such an inherent part of your devotional growth. But do you feel like there's a difference between you as a devotee internally and you as a manager, or are they kind of um, inextricably connected for you? I mean, right now they are they're very connected. Um, but yeah, but me as a devotee, and um, for me that's the main thing, me as a devotee, because it's like. I want to do something for Prabhupada. And right now, at this point in time, he has given me this service, which is very involved um, managerially. And later, he might give me something else. Krishna might give me something else. So for me, I just look at it like, you know, Krishna, I, I want to help with Prabhupada's mission. And um, so, yeah, please help me. Yeah, please help me do something towards that. And um, yeah, right now it's as the TPA Krishna, the term president, and maybe later it'll be something else. But um, yeah, they are intertwined. But uh, for me, I feel like it's, I, I mostly focus me as a devotee. Really. Do you have any long-term personal goals at, at this point? Or are you just kind of living in this present service and not really thinking about what might come next? 
Yeah, for me, as I mentioned, um, my drive is that my life should be of service to to some extent. So be it. I the, cut out there. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, you, you probably kept on, but I, I missed the last 30 seconds or so. Uh, I just said my drive is to be of service one way or the other. So be it, you know, especially in, in the Hare Krishna movement, it makes a lot of sense. You know, this is the welfare, best welfare for all humanity. But also if I see myself going branching out, it will be nice if I can do something which is connected with service. Um, you know, social work or chaplaincy or some business that is connected with some nonprofit perhaps. And my dream is that Hare Krishnas are seen as, um, as like, some, what, what are they called? Torchbearers, yeah. Torchbearers of society where they're out there and helping people in numerous mm -hmm. ways. And uh, that's why like last year with the pandemic, we, I felt, I strongly felt, I was like, we must do something right now. If we don't do something right now, it'll be a, it'll just be a huge loss. So we said, okay, we want to do lunches for hospitals and, and for those in need. So we did that. And nice. I, and it's just my, yeah, it's something very innate to me that, yeah, we should be out there. Um, not necessarily that being recognized by the mainstream, but, um, but part of mainstream, like, yeah, these people are great. They, they are out there helping people in numerous ways. And, and sometimes it's difficult for people to relate to our mission of preaching and saving souls, but mm. there's other ways like where, you know, they might relate to. And um, yeah, I just, it's, that's, that's my vision that hopefully I could do that in the future. But I guess I don't have any particular career plans per se, but that's where my drive is or yeah what what about for krishna house do you have mm -hmm. like you said you guys you know you did the the um, lunch for uh healthcare workers and all that do you have any goals for this upcoming year or you know the next five years for mm -hmm. the krishna house well yeah we really want krishna lunch to be even more, this is the 50th anniversary of krishna lunch actually we're uh -huh. gonna have <laughs> Prabhupada's arrival to Gainesville and on the yes. campus. That'll be in July 29th. On the, wow. And um, yeah, for me, for Krishna House, um, yeah, we really want Krishna Lunch to go on for another 50 years, another 500 years, or, you know, the, the 10,000 years, the golden. <laughs> <laughs> so in, the, in, that, in that light, we, yeah, we, were, we were working towards a bigger facility on the property, take down one of the houses and have a bigger kitchen and, and a dining area. And okay. above that have like about 20 rooms. That's what we're working towards. We already have the plans made and we're gonna have the, we will have the groundbreaking ceremony on July the 31st. Oh, so that's happening. That's yeah, it's a... happening, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, that's nice. this month. And uh, we just wanna set the intention uh, that yeah, this is what we want to do for Shiva Prabhupada. And, and right now there's so many people who want to stay at Krishna house. It's actually, I mean, it's hard to keep up, especially up, it's mostly because of the pandemic after a whole mm. year of lockdown or whatever, everyone's like, we want to do something cool and you know, be at Krishna house. So yeah, wow. and, and a lot of young people, they have remote, jo remote jobs now. And 
it's for them it makes sense to like okay i can try ashram life right now for a little bit wow <laughs> now when you say these people what's the demographic are these you know what percentage well, of students what percentage is you know next generation devotees it's i would say um it's a mix it's a big mix there's definitely uh the next um ne you know, second generation devotees and um, there's definitely like brand new, some, somebody got a book and they want to move into Krishna house. Yeah. And, then, and then there's, you know, there's Indians who have been, to Krishna, who have been in touch with Krishna consciousness a little bit and want to take the next step. So it's, it's, a, it's really a diverse group. Yeah. yeah. How it. many students are there right now or residents? Residents, uh, about 20 to 25, I believe. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Congratulations on getting through the pandemic and uh, and breaking ground on the expansion. That's really amazing news. <laughs> invited. Yeah, I hope I can make it for sure. So, uh, are you ready? We're we're gonna take you into our little fun zone of the the interview here. All right, sure. Um, go ahead, Amrita Kayla. You're better than me at this stuff. <laughs> what? It's starting rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. Shruti Sagar from Rapid Fire Key. Right. <laughs> All you have to do is woo now, Amrita. I don't know what's so hard. Woohoo! Then you got it. <laughs> I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. All right, so we'll alternate. Go for it. Okay. It's your first day off in two weeks. What do you do? I go to the beach. Ah. If you had to guess what you were in your most recent past life, what would that be? If I had to guess, I was a, I was a New York Jew. <laughs> I, was a New York I knew this was the answer. That's so funny. <laughs> he did a past life regression yeah. at Krishna House years ago. I can't guess anything else. Sorry. That's too good. You and Brahmatirta. Yeah. <laughs> you have one month off. Where do you go? One month off, India. I haven't been there in ten years, so yeah. Where would you go in India? Um, Delhi and Rindavan. Actually, no, I changed my answer. Mayapur. I haven't been to Mayapur, so I'm going to go to Mayapur. Nice. Okay. Uh, you're on a deserted island for the rest of your life. What is the one food that you're going to bring with you? <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. I missed it. What was it? Chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, my God. Shh. <laughs> A movie of course he means care of you guys right. if a movie was made of your life what genre would it be a thriller a drama comedy slapstick horror romantic comedy sci-fi um <laughs> we got that off of google just so you know okay <laughs> what did he say a sci-fi thriller <laughs> not, no, no, it'll be a drama of course it's a drama a drama yeah. name two things on your bucket list things on my bucket list Ooh, um like right now bucket yeah. list right yeah. now right now um i'll get my get my place set up i go into my my home so i get that set up and then um what's the other thing um um just the krishna house building <laughs> get that up what about that is what? a that's what a self-satisfied person right good. there <laughs> <laughs> all right Next. Oh man, that's awesome. Okay. Um, name someone that you admire and why. 
Well, um, I definitely admire Kalakanta Crew for tolerating me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for just his grace and patience and kindness to so many devotees. Yeah. Nice. What profession would you be if you had never become a devotee? Ooh. I would I would be a government officer. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> government servant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What annoys you the most, Sri Desire? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> when people don't close the doors behind them. Ooh, I'm sure that with you. All right, last one. What have you done that you're the most proud of? Hmm. Um, the most proud of that, that even when the Maryland project wasn't working out, um, I remember praying to Krishna, just, yeah, that Krishna, whatever you want. Hmm. It was a realization, and I feel like, yeah, I was very, I mean, if not proud, I guess very happy that I felt that way at one point, at least in my life. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Actually, that, that ties into a question I, I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, what are some of the, the big realizations that you've, you could say you've gotten out of your service, you know, whether it's philosophical or uh, about relationships, you know, what are some of the big things that you've learned or just one sure sure i mean that was i guess one that i just said um one of the realizations from the whole uh, from my maryland experience was that um and i guess it ties back into the spirituality institution a little bit it's like um that you do want to show people that you care and um I felt, I feel like, yeah, I, that was a realization for me that Kalakantra often says that uh, it's always people over projects. And um, so based on that, I feel that, yeah, I do want to always show people the best as much as they can that I care. And sometimes I have to give them some tough news or bad news, but um, Mm -hmm. I kind of, brainstorm a bit like no I want to care about this person but and I also want to care about Christian house and how but how do I show my care to this person and um so that is one exercise that I try to do that that has come up yeah through the service and um yeah it's that yeah being that yeah being personal essentially and not just yeah especially in a voluntary religious organization yeah Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. What a nice uh, reminder that uh, we need to always keep that in the forefront. Um, shall we skip to the, the last little topic there, Mita, or did you have anything else before that? Oh, you, you mute. uh, you're, you're muted. <laughs> she, whatever she's saying, she's very blissful about it. I can tell. <laughs> I am. I'm blissfully meditating on how, on, you know, the future, the present of the movement and, and the future. And, you know, that I'm just, I'm just in reflective mode. So if we want to ask, if you want to ask another question, I'm going to please go ahead. I just had one little 
question at the end here. I wanted to ask you, we have these two amazing communities. We have Krishna House and Nuraman Reti. Uh, what's your relationship with uh, the temple here in Alachua? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, with the temple, um, yeah, it's because of my service. I, I don't get to go to the temple very often, but uh, I mean, I have a lot of love and respect for all the devotees who you know, do so many nice activities at the temple with the festivals. And especially when I do get to go to the temple, and I take and I'm able to take darshan for Adisham and Barnitai and Krishna Balram is just is filled with awe how much devotion goes into um, serving them. You know, you can just feel it. You just you can totally feel it. And then with the community, I have friends, you know, who I love to connect one on one and talk to them. I go to their houses or they come here. And um, I've got other Pandit Prabhu, I have Sham Kishore, Rasamrita, and son, I love Kunja. And, um, <laughs> and, and Ganesham is there now, and Virabhadra. And yeah, I just connect with them and, and many others, and I just connect with them one-on-one. -on -one and you know, we, we just share stories. And so that's my main connection with the temple and the community, and I'm very grateful for that. That's great. Yeah, I re always remember on Sundays, there's usually a van of Krishna House devotees that come. And, and I guess I'm thinking of previous years before you were the, the TP, but I just remember dancing with you guys and you just brought so much energy during the kirtan. And I, I always loved that. Well, thank you so much. This was uh, really insightful. Thank you for sharing, you know, your, your life experiences, um, your, your background growing up in India and uh, how you eventually you know, connected to the Krishna house and the services you've taken on. It's really inspiring. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you so much for the service that you're providing and also your personal example and um, how you process things, um, the lessons you've learned, how you're going about it. I, I find it all really admirable. Thank you so much, Namrita Prue. It's so sweet to have known you for so many years and we have our buddy past relationship. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I remember so many points in time we would talk and at the Krishna house or here and there and it's always it was always very pleasant and it was very thoughtful and deep whenever we would get to yeah yeah no I really miss uh, you know I used to spend a lot more time at the Krishna house actually what's the uh, current policy are you open to the public or not yet we not not quite yet we'll open up in August we're just kind of tagging along with UF and okay not quite it but uh, in about a month and a half when UF opens up. Fully. Okay. Great. Looking forward to it. Mm. Well, this was awesome. <laughs> um, I just want to, I just want to say thank you so much. And, you know, when you're recounting some stories from the, from the, our younger days in at Krishna house, it reminded me of when we hear stories of Prabhupada disciples talking about, you know, when they were kids mm. and that enthusiasm and that, that, um, that, um, oh, my baby's ready for bed. That um, fun that was had, that's there. That's at Krishna house. That's happening right now. You know, um, we called it like a spiritual sorority, a spiritual fraternity house. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, there's a, such a solid educational backing. And like you said, a basis in real relationships. And that mood that you're developing is something that it just makes me so... Um, deeply humbled to see you doing it and and to see where it's going 
and and to to call you a friend. I mean, it's, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Kelly Crew. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, our next talk is going to be uh, Amrita Kaley's one-on-one interview with Pracharyananda Prabhu, who is uh, part of the BI. He's a devotee scientist, and he's also teaching uh, the science class at uh, Bhaktivedanta Academy. So we'll be looking forward to that. And a little um, sneak, uh, what do you call it, uh, preview. I'll just say this, that we're going to have a, a new host joining our team. And I'm not going to reveal who it is yet. A uh, third host. A third host for Nectar Talks. We're still putting it, putting it together, but I think it's really going to boost um, what we're trying to do. It's going to expand the variety of guests that we can uh, get on board, and we're really excited about it. This so. is going to be huge. <laughs> huge. <laughs> Don't say it like it that. Is. You're going to do with the hands. Don't. <laughs> stop it. Okay. I'm I'm out. Right here. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Hare thank Krishna. you so much, everyone. Hare Krishna. Shruti Sagar Prabhu. Haribo. Haribo.